12.02. We've heard from Hunter Henry, who didn't meanly hang up on us. He just Mm. unplugged when it was over with. And then Josh Uche, well, we broke down farts. Let's keep doing it. With Josh Uche. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline is our friend Tommy Curd of NBC Sports Boston. He is brought to us by... Dr. Matthew Lapresti, Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Kern at 1-800-GET-HAIR. Tommy, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, friends. Hey, buddy. How are you? Uh, boy, aren't you Solid. so... Are, are you now just... And I know you have been off the road for a while now, but man, imagine if you had to go all the way to Germany for that. Woof. Yeah. There was plenty to digest, I think, from the TV feed. Plenty to digest from the TV feed, from Bill O'Brien to Robert Kraft's sad face and a puppy. <laughs> sad puffy jacket face. He did have the puffy the jacket. Yeah, that was very Costanza of uh, Robert Kraft to have the big puffy coat on. Were you able to read, uh, or at least uh, kind of distinguish, what Mac was saying to Bill O'Brien as he was just coaching him? We, it, it seemed like he was just yelling at him. Well, he was coaching him, right? It was like, uh, why didn't you see it, young fella? And I just felt like he was just conceding to, like, I think it was just, I know, I know, is basically what I took from it, um, which is a problem, isn't it? Yeah. And by the only way I can really decipher what Mac Jones was thinking on that third and two play that elicited that reaction from Bill O'Brien was he had DeMario Douglas crossing. He was open for a first down. Mac didn't deliver it to him, and the only thing I can think of is he was thinking, if I throw it to him there, he's going to get blown up by that linebacker. So I'm going to wait until he gets to the next window past the linebacker and then give it to him, but the protection broke down. So I panicked. I was getting sacked, and I threw it uh, Will Chamberlain, Rick Barry, free throw out to Ramondre. So that's the only thing. That's the only explanation that I could have. It's not a good one, but that's the only thing I can imagine. Mac was thinking he didn't want to get him blown up, but that started the entire melting. And that really is the chicken or the egg situation that we're looking at with Mac. He took five sacks in the first half. He had been sacked sixteen times all year, and then so he comes out in the second half and he doesn't trust anything. And then after he gets screamed at, deservedly so. Um, he melts down even further to the point where he doesn't know whether to poop or go blind. <laughs> Which one do you think he chose? Poop. <laughs> That's what it looked like. So, I mean, listen, I've been following you on Twitter. Obviously. Judging by the throws, there yeah. might be an argument. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Maybe he did both. Um, can they play him against the Giants? No, they cannot. They can't play him. He's broken. And especially, I think that the timing, and I just spoke to Jason McCourty about this, and we'll have a portion of it tonight on Quick Slants, but it was excellent on the podcast. I, I asked him the same question, and he said no. And I, I agree with him because the circumstances surrounding when you took him out of the game had a last straw finality to it. Yeah. It's 10 to 6. You're not going to put him out for the final drive. You're, you're instead going to go to a player that you have no confidence in as an overall player but the first-round quarterback you have even less confidence in, he's actively losing the game for you. So we're going to have to go to this guy who we know isn't that good either, but we can't have you out there. So two weeks later, can you put him out there again? I, I think it was the last straw, 
and the timing around it really kind of announced that. I can't watch it anymore. Seemed to be the reaction. And I don't know if players would support or not support, but they certainly would understand the logic behind it. Do you think it is a week-to-week scenario at quarterback the rest of the way, or do you think, come hell or high water, Mac Jones is sat for the rest of the year? I think it depends how it plays out in practices. How does he deal with second-team reps, if that's what's in the offing? How does he deal with third-team reps? I mean, if you're going to put Greer up as your starter, Will Greer, and have Bailey Zappi as your backup, that means even fewer reps for Mac. He'll be in the Will Greer spot. How does he deal with that? How does he perform with the reps that he gets? Um, That would, I think, determine whether or not he gets back out there. But I think that he would probably be dropped to the third string. I mean, that, again, it's me saying probably I don't know. I have no intel on that. Do you think there's a part of Mac that is like almost hoping that he's third string? No. Although I say that with less than 100% assurance because he seemed pretty beaten too in a way that he yeah. hadn't been before. He was, able, he was able to soldier through, take ownership, say, I'm just going to be better. I'm just going to do better. I'm going to get it to my playmakers. I mean, he was 15 for 20, but as Phil Perry pointed out to me, of, um, of the 15 completions, five were turnover-worthy throws. So that's 33% of your throws could have been turnovers. Holy God. So he doesn't know what he's looking at either. He needs a full-on reset, um, and he probably knows that too. I thought after the New Orleans game that he needed a break to get his mind right. He performed pretty well. I I don't know if the Buffalo game was immediately thereafter, but it might have been the Vegas game. No, it was was Buffalo perhaps. Either way, um, he needs a reset. Tommy Kern with Gresham Fourier. I know I'm asking a what if, but what would the narrative be if Mac made the throw and the team won 13 to 10? Because it feels like if he made the throw, eh, it still might not be great. But because he missed it, it feels like everything is falling apart. But maybe somewhere in the middle lies the truth. If Mac made that throw and they came away with a win, how different do you think this all would be moving forward? Yeah, then he's 16 for 20 with a touchdown pass in the final closing minutes and the Patriots win in Germany. And, you know, he performed at the end of the game the way he needed to, even though the running game was what they hung their hat on. When they turned to him after relying on their running game, he came through for them. So the narrative would be there's still something there, dot, dot, dot. We'll see what it is, but there's still something there. It's, it's the aggravated nature of the interception. He underthrew mm-hmm. him by about 25 feet. Mm-hmm. The only place he couldn't miss was short. He missed short. I mean, Blackman had to come back to the ball. It was so underthrown. It's insane. I'm with That's you. like a 20-foot putt that you hit three feet. Yeah, and I feel like it wasn't necessarily the interception, but it was how bad it was. So- well, that's why I asked, you know, because that throw signified so much, but everything that we talked yeah. about just here was everything that led up to the throw that was bad. That's why I asked the question that if he made one throw, everything changes perspective-wise. Because well, that shouldn't just correlate. You I, know, I, you know Tom, I, mean? I still think he's an accident waiting to happen, and I think they realize it now. There you go. So it's just it's just bound to happen. And in every game, there's hints and hints of it, and there's signs of it, and it's just a matter of when. 
So last week, uh, Gresh and I were, I stole a kind of line I would, from. I would say just this, just uh, real quick before. It showed that he is not just a physical mess, he's a mental mess. Oh, that's, that's, oh yeah. His, his, his physical gifts, I always thought were they were what they were, but now all the two married together, you, I just feel you cannot play him. No matter how many right. people bang their fists on the, on the table and say, no, 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 give him one more chance, they have seen enough, moving along, we'll figure it out later. So last week you guys had something on one of the shows that you were on, and it, it, it paraphrasing the title is, okay, what should the – you know, the the philosophy be moving forward? What should they be working on now? And and I was talking to Gresh about, well, listen, whatever you're thinking now is going to change next week because it's going to continually get, it's going to continue to get worse. So how would and how should the Patriots and Bill and Kraft approach the next, call it eight weeks, seven games? Somehow maintaining the culture and some dignity. And I think the release of Jack Jones was a step in that direction. We'll see what happens with J.C. Jackson if whatever caused him to be left behind allows him to take advantage of what probably is his last NFL opportunity here. Um, but if not, you have to make sure that the people that you have are somehow pulling in the right direction among the group that is going to be back here next year. And there's a lot of key guys who have expiring contracts. And, you know, how much of the coaching staff will be back if Bill is gone? you can't have a complete disintegration of the culture along with the disintegration of the one loss record. So you have to figure out, can we maintain our dignity and our culture and our DNA as the Patriots, even with, you know, a three and 13 record going into the last week of the season, can we still be who we were? You know, if Bill Belichick is, is going to be someplace else next year, or not coaching the team, can the remnants and the DNA of what he built over 23 years in terms of a, a do-your-job, don't snivel, be what the Patriots have been, even with a crap record, can that be maintained so that going into next year you have perhaps coaches who are here now in leadership positions who can be looked at by the players as, not part of 2023's problem, but part of the solution. As uh, as Jack Jones leaves this team, are you surprised it's him and not J.C. Jackson that got let go? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, you can't release all of them. Right. But I think with Jack Jones, he's been given so many opportunities. He would have been released when he walked off the practice field in training camp, he would have been released then had the Patriots not been in such a situation. You know, they wouldn't have tolerated that when Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty and Stephon Gilmore and any other litany of players was back there, but they've had to lower their expectations for player behavior because the roster is so bad. They've had to lower their expectations for practice participation. They've had to lower their expectations for guys who say, I want to get a, a new contract, lower their expectations for, you know, Devontae Parker's feelings when the Patriots were discussing DeAndre Hopkins. It's, to me, it's symptomatic of what the Patriots have had to swallow and endure because their roster isn't good enough to just say, okay, you're expendable. We're good enough to say goodbye to you. And now they have, to, and that's where the culture, I think, takes a dent in that 
you're allowing things to happen that you wouldn't otherwise. Like, you know, the special team stuff. I mean, they're worse than last year, and they were bad last year. But for whatever reason, they, they've invested money in it, and they're worse. But you, you swallow it. Why? Joe Judge, that's all. That's the only thing I can go with. God, we never even got into the whole all the coaching different stuff coaches thing. And, oh yeah, real, real we need another hour. With yeah, Tom. I know. But, but but if you can answer this quickly, any of these coaches on this staff that you think would move move on from this year and head to the college game? Um, I presume you might be thinking of Bill O'Brien um, well, and Joe, or Joe Judge. Judge. Joe Judge. Now that Mississippi State opened up again, he was a finalist yeah. last time around. Yeah. Well, if if Bill's gone, I would imagine that Joe Judge would most likely be gone with bill o'brien i think that that was somebody the crafts wanted to have hired he was hired i don't think that you would want him to be one and done i think that he's got experience in in team building you saw it at penn state he was part of houston when you know he's the only guy off the bill belichick tree with a winning record um with a professional team so i would say that the intention should be hopefully to keep bill o'brien around because I think there's talent there, and there is a, a, a standard that he'll set, too, going forward. So, yeah, I, I would think that – I, I don't know who might go to the college game, but I think if we're talking Bill O'Brien, I think the hope is and the intention around the team is that he would stick around. That's a crazy spot for uh, us on the uh, other side in the media to be in because – Normally, we would have an idea as to at least, you know, hey, this is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. This is going to be a wild seven weeks because I don't think anybody can predict how any of this is really good. I mean, we have an idea as to, okay, it might end this way, might end that way. But I think we're in for seven tumultuous weeks. It's going to be really interesting around New England. Tommy Kern will be all over it. Tommy, thank you, friend. We'll catch you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care.